Welcome back to the second episode of Let's Get Literature. I am your host, Samantha Mickey, and I'm so glad if you are a returning listener or if you're a new listener, thanks for tuning in. I am so excited to be able to record this podcast. It still doesn't feel real yet, even though I'm on Spotify and I'm on Apple Podcasts. Even seeing something that I've been working for just right there still does not feel real. So bear with me. Um, so if you're new to the show or if you just listen to a ton of podcasts like myself and just want to be reminded of who I am and what we do here, I am an eighth grade English teacher in South Carolina and I have always loved books. Books are a place of comfort for me. Reading is my favorite hobby. And I'm the annoying friend that just tries to get you to read every single book that I love or didn't like so I can argue about it. Or maybe you'll agree with me and we can just talk about the book. So we are going to go over my currently reading what I finished recently, and an all-time favorite. But this week, I'm super excited because I'm going to introduce a new segment I'm kind of playing with, and I'm not sure what to call any of my segments yet, so please bear with me because, oof, I, I'm, I'm lost as to what to name everything. But this new segment will be what I'm currently reading with my eighth graders. And I'm so excited to be able to bring some classic lit into this podcast. We are actually tackling To Kill a Mockingbird. So I'm so excited and I hope you are too. And if you're returning, thank you. And if this is your first time listening, thank you. Please feel free to follow, subscribe, rate, share. Thank you so much. And with all that said, I guess it's time. <laughs> Let's get literature. Our first segment today is currently reading. And I have been blessed just to kind of introduce myself as a reader. I have been blessed to be able to balance several books at a time usually two to three. Once I get over three, it gets a little out of hand and I'm drowning in books, which is never a bad thing, but I tend to get stuck at that point and I get in a a reading rut where I really can't move forth. I just got out of one, which is why my reading life is kind of in a rut right now because I was reading like six books at a time. I can't manage that. Some people can, not me. So what this has helped me do, if you're able to balance two to three books at a time, it's really helped me to be able to avoid that dreaded book hangover. If you've never experienced a book hangover, or maybe you have no idea what I'm talking about, and you're listening and you're saying, what the heck is a book hangover? I know what a regular hangover is, but not a book hangover. A book hangover is just as it sounds. It is... The morning after, a great book, and you just can't seem to move on. It's the feeling of being stuck. Like any terrible hangover, 
the feeling of just like being on the couch, not being able to do the day's activities, maybe not being able to have a productive Sunday like you had intended, that is a reading hangover or a book hangover. You're just stuck. So for me, I dive into books. And so even sometimes when it's a mediocre book, I can still experience a book hangover just because I feel like I've lived with those characters. And so balancing two to three books at a time and being already invested in maybe one or two other books when I finish a book allows me to skip that phase. Not always, by all means. Sometimes I just abandon my current reads and I I sit in a sad book hangover hole for a while. But overall, I feel like this practice has allowed me to become a better reader in that I know myself as a reader and I'm able to provide myself with that tool that does help me overall read more, read better, keep it a better pace than I had been in the past. So, sorry for the mini lesson, but uh, the first book that I am currently reading, I'm still, this is going to be like an every episode thing, probably for the rest of my life. It's the, I'm still in the Outlander series by Diana Gabaldon. I haven't made any progress on the second book, A Dragonfly in Amber, but uh, it's definitely a goal of mine for April to at least move to the next book in the series, which is is a huge task because I have a huge TBR list for April, but I am like e teaching now, so maybe I'll have the time. But again, if you haven't picked up the series or haven't tuned into the the stars show, it is phenomenal. If you love historical fiction, like I do, it is really just phenomenal. I'm not going to talk about it anymore until I finish the second book. But I will just give you a constant reminder that I'm living in the Outlander world. The next book I'm currently reading is A Curse So Dark and Lonely by Bridget Kemmerer. Maybe I'm butchering that. And if I am, I'm so sorry. This is a YA title. And while I don't read a lot of YA, I tend to not judge by that. I just tend to not lean into a lot of YA. And this is a Beauty and the Beast retelling. And you must know this about me. I love Beauty and the Beast. Belle is my favorite Disney princess, as I think many of us readers really love Belle and really feel for Belle and relate with Belle. Um, But I love Beauty and the Beast and I'm just a sucker for a really good retelling of a story I already love. So I'm very excited. I'm only probably 25 pages in. So far, it's fantastic. The writing is very um, developed and it's kind of dark and twisty so far, but I like that. And as I said last podcast, I love dark and twisty reading. So I feel like this will be right up my alley. So far, the character development is good, as is the plot development. And those when those go hand in hand, I'm I'm sold. So again, that is A Curse So Dark and Lonely by Bridget Kemmerer. Hopefully, I'm saying that right. If I'm not, the, the, the name will be in the show notes. So you can type it up if you want to search it. And... That's it for my currently reading at this very current breathing moment, but I'll go into what I just finished and my April TBR 
next. Next up, I'm going to tackle what I finished reading recently. And what I've decided to do is if I only have like two books that I've recently finished in the week, then I'll pull in something that I finished uh, within 2020, but something I want to talk about, whether I love it or I dislike it or I have thoughts that I want to share. I'll bring that in and so it will kind of fill that space and I can also talk about more books, which that's a win-win in my opinion. The first book I'd like to talk about is one that's a carryover from last week's episode and that's The Jet Setters by Amanda Air Ward. As I had said, this was on my currently reading segment last week and this week I finished it and like I hinted towards, I'd already loved it. And while the ending knocked it down to like a three and a half, four star read for me, I still think it was a really great read. And I think that where I got let down was I just wanted more. And maybe not everyone feels that way about this novel, but for me, I wanted to live with the character some more. And I was so invested in the storyline that I felt like I could have just kept going. And it wasn't a poorly written ending. I just wanted more. Now, with that said, I definitely think that there could easily be a part two to this or it could easily turn into a trilogy. Maybe to the tune of, if you're familiar with Ellen Hildebrand, her like Winter Street series, which is just one of my favorites. I'll probably talk about it very soon on the podcast, but I just feel like I wanted a little bit more and maybe I wanted some more pages to that book. But with that being said, all of the snarkiness and shadiness aside, I loved this book. The way first of all, I do need to say, while I'm kind of snarky about the fact that it wasn't long enough for my taste, I do think that what was done in the pages, the characters were fully developed. I felt like I knew them. I felt like they were palpable, real people, which I think is hard to do, especially when I've left a book feeling like I want more. I feel like that's an amazing thing to do is build the characters up, even though I want more of them. And I felt like I wanted the story to continue. I wasn't lacking in character development or feeling like the characters were left undeveloped. I was left feeling like I wanted more plot, which is, I don't think is a bad thing. I just hope there's more to be written. So that is Jet Setters. I ended up giving it a four star on Goodreads, which is probably my most common rating. It has to be a great book for me to give it the whole five stars. But I would say if there was like a nominal, I might bump it down to three and a half in a world where Goodreads would have half star ratings. Um, but I, I feel I do feel right now comfortable with four. I think that if you like an Ellen Hildebrand complex character, if you like 
realistic fiction and literature, I think that you would like it. I think that anyone could pick up this book and probably find it enjoyable. I'd like to see if Reese ends up taking it to TV. I think I'd like a a visual adaptation of this. Um, And as you know from last episode, then my husband could enjoy it. We could talk about plot. But if anyone wants to pick it up and talk with me, I would love to hear your thoughts about the characters because I have thoughts and I'd like to discuss them. So again, that is The Jet Setters by Amanda Eyre Ward. The next book I finished reading, the one I actually finished last night, was kind of an impulse pickup for me. It only took me two days to finish, like two sittings to finish because I was so hooked and just so fascinated And I don't read a lot of nonfiction, but this is nonfiction and I think my husband hates it when I read nonfiction because I end up just like word vomiting all of the things I've learned as soon as I finish the book and I just can't stop. It just keeps compounding and I learn all these wonderful things. So it is called Smoke Gets in Your Eyes and Other Lessons from the Crematory, Uh, Caitlin Dowdy. Did I say crematory right? Is that how you say it? Crematory? Oof. I don't know. I don't think I've ever said it out loud before. Isn't that great when we like read a word a lot, but we don't say it? I think it's crematory. Crematory? Hmm. We're all learners here. It's fine. So to go into this, it is about a woman who basically just flat out works in the funeral business. And particularly, she gets really caught up on the uh, crematory side of this. And she is fascinated by the history of death, the way that different cultures treat death, the way that we view other cultures' treatments of death. And it's just, it's fascinating. So... What I like about this particularly is the research that she, Caitlin, clearly did on the book and on the topic. And it it just shows this wonderful trace of having a childhood passion and not giving up on that and tracing it. As toxic as that might be at times and as as weird and maybe not like the best path that your parents will lay out for you or a significant other or whoever it's following that kind of like obsession or um comfort zone or just something you want to know more about and live in every day and uh for her she had an incident and I'm not giving away anything here she has had a run-in when she was younger with death death very um very raw and very real and that that forced her into having OCD obsessive compulsive disorder and a lot of tendencies and and not like I really like my my dishes to be a certain way but very very repetitive behaviors to not encounter death again she became very um fearful of death and she just through the through this process decided to come face to face with death and so she decided that she wanted to work in mortuary services and that led to this book and all of these 
experiences, it is a little bit graphic. And there were several parts where my stomach was churning because she's so graphic in her descriptions. But I feel like I kind of skimmed a little bit at some points and I was okay. I didn't miss anything. Uh, I could go back if I wanted to, if I felt like I could take it on. But I think that was all worth it. And I think that if you pick up a book titled Smoke Gets in Your Eyes and you know the the content, I think that's kind of to be expected. And I don't think that it was like outlandishly terrible or crude. I just think that the content matter is morbid. And I think that even how morbid it is, she you can take a lot from it. And you learn a lot about yourself and how you view death. And it makes you think like, okay, how do I see death? How do I view my own death and and others around me, my loved ones? And am I okay with mourning? And am I okay with grief? And it's just a really cool book. I'm I'm not going to sit here and say it's like profound and you'll... um, have all these great thoughts but it it is it is pretty um it's just great writing it's great research and it's a great life story that she has shared and she has taken a lot from it it was built on a lot it was built on a really strong foundation of her own beliefs and so therefore it's a great book and again that is smoke gets in your eyes by caitlin doughty Doty. Again, I'll have the the name linked in the show notes for you, but I highly recommend this. This was actually a five-star read for me just because of how encompassing the book was, and I would definitely recommend it, especially if you love a good nonfiction memoir read. I think it'd be phenomenal because as someone who doesn't read especially a lot of nonfiction, it was a really great read, and I would definitely come back to it. So the final book that I would like to talk about that I just finished reading is one that I picked up and I am not, let me just start off by saying this, I am not the biggest fan of like the whole idea of like guilt reads or like guilty pleasures because I don't think that we should be embarrassed of things we like, but on the same, same wavelength, different side of the coin, I have guilty guilty pleasures right don't we all like things that you don't take in public like books you don't take in public or shows that you pretend not to know about or like be caught up on with certain groups of people I think we all have these and while I don't support the notion of it I think that we all have these you know things that we are embarrassed of just by virtue and so One of my biggest guilty pleasures, I don't watch a whole lot of reality TV. In my teenage years, I I think I watched solely reality TV with maybe some One Tree Hill sprinkled in there. Uh, But as I moved through just my life, not because I, I don't think I became smart too smart for it, I just picked up other interests right now. I just obsessively watch The Office and Gilmore Girls. Those are like my two favorite things in the entire world. So I don't watch that much reality TV. But one of the shows that I love, and I, I even rewatch it, I binge watch, it's just great for me, is Vanderpump Rules. And before you judge me, it is good. 
And by all means, it's not like groundbreaking, earth-shattering television by any means. But I think that, I don't know. I just think there's a lot going for it in terms of entertainment value. And it is something I can pop on and only tune in when there's like slightly raised voices, watch the drama, and then move on with my life. I can read while I watch it. I can, you know, just live my life, work, whatever. So this is one of my things that I watch. I guess I would call it guilty pleasure TV. It's on Bravo. You can catch it on Hulu. They have like all seasons, but the most currently like airing one on Hulu. And then you can watch it the current season on Bravo. So I personally am a huge fan of Stassi Schroeder on the show. In real life, I think that of all the, you know, if you were to put a pool of like reality TV show people, I think that I just, I just vibe with her. Do you know what I mean? Like we, we wouldn't get along in real life, but I think, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm saying at this point. I just find her entertaining. And I think if I had to pick any of them to have lunch with, it would probably be Saucy Schroeder. So I was recently in Louisville, Kentucky for the Modern Mrs. Darcy um, Don't Overthink It and Bogle book launch. I don't know why I said Mar Mrs. Darcy, but it was the Ann Bogle book launch party at her home and she lives in Louisville, Kentucky. And so obviously if you're going to go to a book event, I centered that whole trip around book shopping, as much book shopping as humanly possible. And since I was on this trip and you know, I was just having a great time. I was in a new city where no one would recognize me. I purchased the Saucy Schroeder book, which is Next Level Basic. And first of all, it's just a color I really like. The The spine is phenomenal. <laughs> and I have decorative bookcases. So I thought, you know what, even if this is terrible, at least it'll be a pretty book on my shelf. And so I picked this up. And I read it like instantly upon when I came home because I was really tired and I just needed something to keep my mind kind of lulled. And I read it in oh, maybe a few hours. It wasn't a long read. It was just a very quick, uh, just fly through, didn't require a lot of thought read. And I didn't expect much more than that. Let me just preface this by saying I didn't expect to be wowed or blown away or have this be like a five-star read for 2020 or ever. But I was actually shocked at how much I disliked it because I think that Stassi is generally pretty intelligent of a human being for the scope of reality TV. And on the show, she talks about writing this book and I thought, hmm, you know, because she does take on the fact that we shouldn't be ashamed of ourselves and we should just embrace all that we are, even if it's basic or even if it's everyone else's guilty pleasure. Like we should just embrace who we are as a human being. And that that like message I really appreciated about this book. But ugh, reading it was I, I just I flew through. I'm, I, I can speed read. I am thankful for that. And this was a speed read. I did not try to live in this book. I did not try to slow down. I did not save for the pages. I just got through and I barely made it. It was not good. Even as a fan of the show, 
And as a, I wouldn't say fan of Stassi Schroeder, but as someone who appreciates her as a reality TV star, um, I didn't like it and I wouldn't recommend it. So if you're like me and Vanderpump Rules is something you enjoy, I wouldn't waste your time on this book. If you're going to pick it up at like a library or like a Goodwill or something, don't pay a lot or anything at all. And just know going into it, it was not a good read for me. <laughs> and on that negative note, that wraps up my recently read. <laughs> so at the beginning of the show, when I shared that I would be introducing one new segment, I slightly lied because actually it's two. But to be fair, this segment will only happen like in its entirety once a month. And then every week I'll do a check-in. Um, being that this is publishing at the very beginning of the month, it works out perfectly for me. I'm going to be talking about my monthly TBR. And this honestly might be something that I like a shot in the dark. But I just want to set an intention for reading. And I thought, what better way than to tie this in with the book pop podcast I'm starting? So with that said... I want to talk about what I'm intending to read for April and what I'll do is at the beginning of the month, wherever that may fall in the podcast releasing world of doing a weekly podcast, I want to share my intention with what I'm reading. Maybe if you're listening and you like have a book I'm reading or you also have it on your TBR, I would love to connect and do a buddy read. I would be more than down for that by adjusting my date slightly or whatever I need to do. I'm always down for a good buddy read, but then I can kind of just check in and you can see in real time what I'm finishing. And then at the end of the month, I'll do kind of a wrap up and see what I didn't finish or what I abandoned or what I added, whatever it may be. I think that would just be a really fun thing to introduce. So here are, or here is, (laughs) whatever way, here are the books on my April TBR, or here is my April TBR. So the way I'd like to do this segment is just quickly intro the books that are on this TBR list because they're always, uh, one, they're flexible. I might add to them weekly or take away maybe a couple, but... Uh, you know, there are a lot. So I want to quickly talk about each book and maybe why it ended up or why I've decided that I want to read it. And then obviously the author and title or the author, yeah, the author and the title. And then I will just move on. And as the month progresses, as I am reading it or as I finish it, I can come back to it and circle around and talk more about it and develop that thought but this is just kind of my initial like hey this is my intention this is why I'm intending to read this book so the first book I have to talk about and you're going to hear about this a lot is the Outlander series so my intention for this month is to continue and finish the second book and begin the third book in the series. So fingers crossed I can keep that up. Again, this is the Outlander series. If you put that into Google, they will all come up. Diana Gabaldon is the author. And so that's my intention for this month as far as that continuation of the series goes. 
My second thing on my TBR for April is The Matchmaker by Ellen Hildebrand. And I'm actually really excited to begin this because I read the Winter Street series and the What Happens in Paradise series. And oh my goodness, I'm obsessed with her writing. I don't care if it's light. I, you know, some people will consider it like just beach reads, but I love her books. I am obsessed with her. I will read anything she puts out. And luckily for me, she has a huge back catalog that I have not read because I'm relatively late to her writing and her being an author. So I have a lot of catching up to do. And when I was in that trip or on that trip to Louisville at Half Price Books, they had like a ton of her paperbacks, very, very inexpensive. So I picked up literally all that was on the shelf and it was expensive but less expensive than it would have been to buy them new or to buy them elsewhere and so I'm very excited to get started again that's the matchmaker by Ellen Hildebrand my next pick is red white and royal blue by Casey McQuiston this is probably actually what I'm going to pick up next just because I want to read it so bad I stopped reading romance for a long time. I think in high school I discovered V.C. Andrews and that was like a whole hole to jump down. There's so much writing that V.C. Andrews has done and I just stopped reading romance for a while and I've come back to it and I love it. I'm going to talk about some more romance titles as we or rom-coms or you know however they're classified but romantic books maybe not typically romance or technically, Um, but I'm going to talk about quite a few more of ones I've just read alone this year, and I have to say, the the romantic book game is just killing it right now, and these are really, really good books that are light and fluffy, but oftentimes, even though you know, like, who's going to end up together, it's just really fun to read and live in for a while, so if you're like me and kind of looking for an escape to what's currently going on in the world, I think that maybe that's a good place to start is the the rom-coms or whatever you would call them. Next is another YA, which is funny because I just said I don't really read YA and I have two that I'm talking about. But this is A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Moss. Um, so I had started reading this like a long time ago. And for some reason, it just got away from me. I think it was like from the library. And then we ended up moving from Ohio to South Carolina. So I had to return the library book and I just never picked it up again. But I recently picked up the paperback edition of like the whole series because it's like a whole, I think, trilogy. And I'm super excited to read it. It's, I believe it's also a Beauty and the Beast retelling. Maybe correct me if I'm wrong on that guys but I've read about half of it I'm gonna like reread it now but what I've read so far in it I was just sucked in and it was so good and I was so sad I had to go back to the library so again A Court of Thorns and Roses. Next is Where'd You Go Bernadette by Maria Semple. Uh, I'm just really interested in this one this one's an oldie like this is backlist but I'm just really excited. It recently 
maybe not so recently got turned into like a movie or a show or something. So brought my attention back to it. It's been on my shelves for a while. And so I'm super excited to tackle that one. The next book on my April TBR is The Sundown Motel by Simone St. James. As I said, I think in last episode, I love thrillers and this just seems right up my alley. It was my book of the month pick like two or three months back. And so this is just one of those titles that I really need to get around to. It's on my like book of the month shelf at my house and I just, it's been staring at me for too long. So that's why I'm picking it up. The next one is also a book of the month pick. It was my pick for last month. It is The Two Lives of Lydia Bird, and it's by Josie Silver. Josie Silver wrote One Day in December, which I read two Decembers ago now, I think, and it was just phenomenal, and I just, I I adored everything about it, so I'm really excited to read her next book, which is this one, The Two Lives of Lydia Bird. Uh, Next, and I think finally... Like I said, it's probably going to change, but at least for right now, my intention. Uh, Catherine Stedman's Mr. Nobody. Uh, she was the author of la- one of last summer's Reese- Reese's Book Club, uh, the pick for I, one of the summer months. I want to say July, possibly. And it was called Something in the Water. And I was obsessed with that book. It was just so good the it had such a twist that I did not even see it totally came out of the left hand field and um I'm just very excited for this I got it I picked it up at a target sale uh they had like the the sales they have on um books occasionally and I picked it up and I'm super excited to get into this one because I feel like it's right up my alley and I feel like I know her writing I'm comfortable with it and so I'm very excited to dive into her second novel So the next thing I want to kind of tackle and talk about is having you as a podcast listener come along with me as an English teacher and the students I teach reading To Kill a Mockingbird. I am super excited to come back to this classic as an adult. I haven't read it since I was in eighth or ninth grade myself, so being able to read this as a teacher and as an adult many years later in my life, I'm just super excited to see what changes about my perception because I know at this point, and mind you, the podcast will be like a week behind where I'm at in real life. So in real time, my students have read chapters one through five and are doing activities via e-learning with the book and I'm reading along with them. So my kind of feelings going into this are very warm, fuzzy ones. And if you'll recall, PBS, The Great American Read, was, it was, To Kill a Mockingbird was America's number one best love novel. And it was very controversial. And the book brings a lot of controversy with the way that it portrays white saviorism. And 
I never felt that way when I read it when I was in middle school. But a lot of conversations that happen are happening now and are so important were certainly not happening back then and certainly not in middle school circles. So I'll be interested to see if there's anything else I pick up on as an adult reading this with a 2020 mindset that I perhaps didn't pick up in middle school reading it from like a, a middle school kid's perspective. So I'm just really excited. I would really be honored if you would pick up this book and read it with us. I think that would be so cool and I'm I'm currently dreaming up a way to make some kind of student collaboration with the podcast. I think that would be so cool. But uh, yeah, I just kind of want to talk through my thoughts on it. And I think that anytime I get to bring in classic literature, especially from the lens of an English teacher who is tackling that text with her students and getting to bring it on the podcast, I'm just really excited for. So if you haven't read it, or even if you have, you know, what are your thoughts? If you haven't read it, what's kind of your preconceived notions? And if you have read it, have you read it as an adult? And when was the first time you read it? How are your feelings on it? What do you, like, what's your imagery when you hear that title or the feeling? I'm just so curious because this has brought this book back into my focal point of life. And I, it was one that had left for quite a while. So I'm just really excited. Perhaps after we're done with um, To Kill a Mockingbird, we could read the second book, Go Set a Watchman. That might be very fun. So just kind of let me know your thoughts. If it's something that I could do, that would be really awesome. And yeah, so To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee is what we're tackling in my English class. So I'm super excited. So now that we're reaching the final point of this podcast and the final segment, when I kind of dreamed up this podcast and I was thinking about talking about like my f- a favorite read every time that I could, I could bring to you guys and, and persuade you hopefully to read, I was really down to two books for my first episode. And I went with, it was, it was a lot of conflict but I did end up going with Wild by Cheryl Strait, if you'll recall. And I was happy with that decision, but I would be lying if I said I didn't feel a little bit of guilt for not talking about the book that's going to be my favorite book this week and my, my recommend, my ultimate recommendation, which is The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald. And if you haven't read this by now at this point in your life, please go pick it up. First of all, classics are insanely cheap, Whether, regardless of where you shop. Please don't shop on Amazon for books, but even if you do, even on Amazon, this book is just so cheap. You can do thrift books, you could do Barnes & Noble, you could probably even get a really nice collector's edition for, I don't know, 15, 20 bucks, which in the world of like hard copy books, you know, a new hard copy is 27 bucks, so um please pick up a copy. Even if you have to get it at the library or an audiobook or an ebook, you need to read this classic. Um, I don't even know where to start about this. So I read this in high school and this was one of the few books 
here's a fun confession before I say what I'm about to say. I was I've never been like a person who questions authority or a rebel, like a loud rebel, but I'm a quiet rebel. And this is what high school me thought was a really great idea. I would have all the books that I had to read because I was in Accelerated. So I had a lot of books to read. And I would decide that instead of reading them when I was supposed to, I would be like a book ahead or a book behind. It was stupid. It really was stupid. But one book that hooked me in and I just, I instantly loved the discussion of it and what talk came of it was The Great Gatsby. And as I've I've gone through an English degree at college and um, just life in general, I've just become fascinated with F. Scott Fitzgerald. I would easily say that he's my favorite author and I am just obsessed. And I think that The Great Gatsby is a very great starting point. I think it's a very great introduction to F. Scott Fitzgerald and it's also a jumping point to if if you like it and if you like the Roaring Twenties and you like history, it, it's a very good jumping point for the rest of his writing, his general kind of vibe, and even more than that, it, he mirrors himself and his own life and his own life experience a lot in The Great Gatsby. And uh, I'm, I don't know. I do not know how to even talk about The Great Gatsby without spoiling it. It's just, it's Roaring Twenties greatness, but the underlying message and analysis and feeling and vibe is just, it, it's, it's phenomenal. If you, like me, question everything and often have a lot of disbelief, to put it nicely, in the American dream, F. Scott Fitzgerald is the person to read. And there's just a lot of disillusionment there. And I just think it's phenomenal. And I'm going to circle back around to the fact that in week two of this podcast, I have not gotten any better talking about my favorite book. That just sucked. It's been like four and a half minutes and I don't think I've said anything. Have I made a thought? I don't know. Oof. Maybe by like my 200th episode, this will be easy. Probably not though. Because this is really difficult. I My challenge for you for the week, apart from uh, reading all the books I mentioned, getting To Kill a Mockingbird, reading The Great Gatsby. <laughs> I've asked you for a lot. Uh, my, my challenge for you would be to pick a book or a movie or a show that you like and get in your microphone on your iPhone and try to talk about it. It's really, really hard to sound intelligent when you're like gushing over something. So (laughs) with all that said, The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald. We are at the end of our second episode of Let's Get Literature. I am so excited and I'm trying a new tactic this time. I'm recording and then editing. Last time I simultaneously like 
recorded and edited so I had a better idea of where I was at time wise but I honestly have no idea how long this is going to be in real time when I'm recording this maybe it's closer to my actual time I would imagine maybe it's not I don't know but regardless of all that thank you thank you thank you so much if you're still listening to me gush about books just thank you so much and I hope that you'll tune in again next Wednesday for episode three of let's get literature oh I'm so excited saying that um (laughs) again my name is Samantha Mickey and I'm the host of let's get literature thank you for tuning in again happy reading bye guys